Trinity is, the cross of Christ is, the resurrection is, but the church, frankly, is split on the whole issue of the mode of baptism or, or when or how, and uh, that isn't a deal breaker for us. But I, I do want to share with you one word from Scripture, just so you understand that my reason for doing this is scriptural. Your reason for doing it may be scriptural, or your reason for not doing it. I'm at a different place than friends of mine. I have great respect for someone like a John Piper, and in heaven, Jesus is going to talk to us, and and uh, he may say, "Paul, you were wrong." I'll say, "I'm sorry, Jesus." He'll say, "Okay, I forgive you," and that that <laughs> takes care of that for all of eternity. He may say, "You're right," and then I'll I'll uh, look at someone like John and say, "Ha, huh, huh. no, I won't." <laughs> so, uh, to have harmony, you need differences. You need differences on the keyboard. And I'm thankful that we can have harmony today. As you, you This may be the first time you've seen this, and it, it, it may be exciting for you, or it may be jarring for you. And if it is, then uh, get over No. <laughs> but I'm, let me uh, just share a, a scripture. What if Jesus could touch every infant. Apparently, there were some women with babies who saw Jesus touch people. We don't know if they did, but I suspect they did because they were bringing babies to Jesus for him to touch them. And one touch from Jesus is all it took. One touch on a coffin changed a family, and a boy's destiny. One touch on a leper took it completely away. One touch in the synagogue to a woman who had been bent over for 18 years brought her up and set her on her way, rejoicing in Jesus. So one touch is all it takes. And Jesus loves to touch people, including Infants. So it's it's my understanding that Jesus is going to reach down this morning and touch Aaron. He's being presented to Jesus in one touch. Now, will he remember it? Probably not. He might, but he probably won't. I don't remember mine. I was baptized as an infant, as were my sisters. And my testimony, I don't remember a time when I didn't know Jesus. Now, that, that may unsettle you. And does a person need to be born again? Yes. Of water and the Spirit, John 3 says, yes. So where did it happen? I just look back to my baptism because that's where I believe it started, where my parents brought me to Jesus and said, here, Jesus, touch Paul. So we grew up in an atmosphere of, of love and faith. And so we knew it as we started to draw breath. That was the atmosphere that we grew up in. And so uh, that uh, is is what we did, Karen and I did as well. As for me and my house, that's what we're going to do. I didn't give them a choice. I, I didn't say, well, you can come to a place where you want to, where you can decide if Jesus is your Savior or if the Lord God is the living God. No, we, we already made that decision. We make a lot of decisions for them. Then they come to a point where they agree with us. You know, So... Uh, here, people were bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. Now, if Jesus touched someone, it wasn't symbolic. It was real. It was authentic. Something happened to that baby. We're not sure what happened, but something. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. This is in Luke 18. So the disciples figured, well, I don't know what they thought. Jesus has more important things to do? I don't know. Or, or they're getting in their way. There are too many moms with babies coming. Look out. We're going to have a stampede. We don't know why they halted this. And then they got a rebuke because they rebuked the women. And then Jesus called the children to him. So now we've got a crowd of kids around Jesus. Special time for him. Jesus called the children to him and he said, and I want you to listen to two things of what Jesus says. First of all, let the little children 
come to me and do not hinder them. In another place, he says, Woe to the one who calls one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble. I don't know at a point at which a a child can believe in Jesus, but uh, heaven is sad and angry when a child, a little child who believes in Jesus is caused to stumble. Do not hinder them. Now, this is pretty strong. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. In other words, they're not included in the kingdom. They're models. They're models for us. And then he says something. He says, I tell you the truth. Now, when Jesus says, I tell you the truth, it's not slang. He's not just putting words in. He wants to get our attention. So he's getting our attention. And you tell me what word sticks out to you in what I'm going to read now. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Anything stand out? Any verbs stand out to you there? Receive is a pretty important word, isn't it? I receive faith. I even receive repentance. Repentance. I receive life. It's not a paycheck. It's a gift. I'm given it. God can give it to anyone whom he wants. God chose to, to give the Holy Spirit to people yet in the womb. God chose to mark people, the sign of the cross, before they ever drew breath. We heard the testimony two weeks ago of Craig Nelson in the hospital, and he is one pound, two ounce, premature uh, grandchild was hovering between life and death and the Lord said baptize him and so he just prayed Holy Spirit baptize him that's scriptural John the Baptist was filled with the spirit and responded in the womb to Jesus so it's a mystery I don't claim to understand this it's a mystery But I choose to believe that there's a a, something is translated between heaven and earth this morning between Jesus and Aaron Asher. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive. So my job is to receive. Little children have an ability to receive where adults have the ability to hold off. Jesus said one day, I thank you, Lord, Father of heaven and earth, that you have hid these things from their wise and prudent and learned and revealed them unto babes. So out of the mouth of babes forth is a praise. Mm-hmm. And then he baptized uh, Jesus baptized his whole household. Or the whole household were baptized. Yeah. That would include there, And there's a distinction in the scripture between a family of believers uh, and not. In 1 Corinthians 7.14, it calls a child holy because the parents knew knew the Lord. So there's something about the context. I do not... I do not espouse infant baptism in a context of unbelief. In a context of a Scandinavian country where they, you see them two times a year. In fact, I angered some people in my congregation who wanted to have their child baptized. And I said, that's so wonderful. Let's see you around here now. So it's in a context of, of people that we know and love. And so they know you. And they said, no, we just want the child baptized. I said, it won't happen here. Because it's in a context of a believing community that can pray for Aaron Asher and see the life of Christ just unfold before our eyes. So I'm going to invite Bill now to share uh, a word with us about love. And before he gets started, I just wanted to introduce, this is my father. Um, so you're getting a chance to meet my dad as, as we uh, baptize our son. So, Dad, can I pray for you? As yeah. You pray to Hallelujah. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the word that you have placed inside of my father's mm-hmm. heart, Lord. And mm-hmm. I thank you for him, Lord, and for the way that you've caused my life to be impacted through 
his witness, Lord Jesus, yes. and through all that has been imparted into me through mm-hmm. me and my mother. And I praise mm-hmm. you, Lord Jesus, that you are going to minister to each one of our hearts today, Lord, uh, throughout mm-hmm. the rest of this gathering time. Amen. Just bless this time in your word in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. All right. So uh, he's a little bit taller than I am. I don't know how that happened. But uh, but anyway, um, we arrived in Wisconsin about a week ago, and I think it has been snowing ever since we got here. And uh, I love Karen's interpretation better because I thought I had arrived in the land of Narnia, uh, and and Aslan hadn't come yet. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I like that interpretation better. This does the the beauty of that snow covers the the ground. Um, so our sins are covered uh, with, with Christ's uh, redemption and his love for us. Well, I, I was asked, I was asked probably several different times to do several different things. And, I, and so I couldn't quite exactly figure out what it was. But the last thing I heard was that I was supposed to talk on love. And so uh, it's always go with the, good to go with the last word, right? The last word that Jesus gave was to uh, go out and make disciples of all nations. So I'm going to go with the last word that I got, which was to talk about love. And uh, what I wanted to talk about this morning, this is going to be the Reader's Digest condensed version, I hope. Um, But I'm going to work at that, and so pray for me that I can do that. (laughs) All right. So what I'm going to talk about is is love for the lost. So I wonder if somebody would be willing to read out uh, Matthew chapter 9, uh, 35 to 38. So... If somebody can crack open their their sword uh, and uh, read from from Matthew chapter 9, 35 to 38. All right. So any volunteer? A volunteer. Oh, we're here. Okay, good. We probably, if we were in a Lutheran church, we'd all stand for the reading of the gospel, right? But that's okay. (laughs) All right. All right. Great. So what we see here is is Jesus had tremendous compassion. Uh, In my book, that's another word for Jesus had tremendous love for lost people. Uh, And if we are going to be workers or laborers uh, in, in that vineyard, then we need to have the same kind of attitude that Jesus had for towards lost people. I remember I was about, uh, I don't know, six or seven years old, something like that, when uh, our family was on vacation in Provincetown, Rhode Island, and I got lost. My father went one way. My mother went the other way. I couldn't figure out where they were. And so for a couple of hours, I was wandering around the streets of Provincetown, Rhode Island, not knowing where I was. Uh, And, of course, they panicked, and they were looking all over for me. They, They went into the police And they told the police that I was lost and that they should look for me. But somehow I had gotten the attitude that being lost was a criminal offense. And so somehow I had gotten the attitude that if the police found me, they would put me in jail. Uh, And so every time I saw a police car, every time I saw a policeman, I would duck behind a car or into an alley or someplace. I was pretty good at eluding the law. I don't know if that was, uh, you know, sort of precedent for what was about to come. But I, I avoided them. But and, and the police never did find me. But eventually, my parents did find me, and they were rejoicing. You know, it was like heaven when a lost person is found. They were rejoicing uh, because they loved me, and they they wanted so much to find me. Well, Jesus had that kind of compassion for lost people. When he looked at a lost person, he saw a person who was worn out, broken down and uh, directionally challenged (laughs) and could not find their way back to God. That's what he saw. Well, what do you see when you see a lost person? Some Christians look at the lost in an adversarial way. 
that they're the enemy, you know, because of all these things that are going on in the, the culture wars. Uh, I don't know about you. I don't know if this is true for every every single person. But I think about two years ago, uh, God spoke to me and said, stop listening to talk radio. <laughs> and and I, I realized that all I was doing, I was uh, getting so worked up about all these cultural issues that were going on and that I began to see that the people in the world were the enemy and that, that we had to conquer them. Well, we are not on a search and destroy mission. We are on a rescue mission. We're not out there to go and, and search out and destroy the lost. We are out there to go and find the lost, to seek out for them. But sometimes Christians, and I can say, yes, this has been with me at times, focus on these issues. And boy, they're giving us lots of issues to focus on, aren't they? In a homosexual marriage, abortion, uh, injustice, the way the poor are treated. There are lots of issues that we could get on if we really wanted to. But Jesus never focused on issues. He focused on people. Now, the same things were going on back in, in those days that are going on today, you know, in case we haven't realized that. But Roman society uh, had was rife with homosexuality. It was a common thing. And, and Roman society was the dominant society, even in the Judean world. They did it by force, but they were the dominant society. And they totally embraced homosexuality and abortion. Well, they practiced infanticide. If they didn't want a baby, they just put it out and let the wild animals come and, and devour that baby. And injustice, they, they were really good at that. You know, they really treated the poor terribly. That's what, you know, Spartacus was all about. So that was all there. But that's not what Jesus emphasized. That's not what he went after. Jesus went after people that he saw were beat up and broken down and direct, directionally challenged and couldn't find their way back to God. And he loved them. Some of those people are like me in Provincetown. They're afraid that being lost is a criminal offense. And so they don't want to be found. They run the other way. A number of, of years ago, I, I uh, heard Cy Rogers. He actually came and, and did a, uh, a conference uh, at our church out in Oregon. Our church was the venue for that conference. And Cy Rogers has a ministry to sexually broken people. And he knew that by experience because he himself was sexually broken. He was a homosexual, but not just any ordinary homosexual. He also was uh, a transvestite. He lived for a year as a woman. When he went to John Hopkins University Hospital, he asked them to do a sex change. And they said, you have to first live as a woman for a year. And then if you still want to do it, then we'll do it. And he went and he lived as a woman for a year. At the end of which, about a week before he was due for his surgery, John Hopkins said, we're closing this program down and we're not going to do it. At that time, Cy Rogers was not looking for God. He was not looking to the church to have any kind of answers in his life. He was he was worn out. He was broken down. He was directionally challenged. He didn't know how to find his way to God. But God found his way to Cy Rogers. He found him and he won him and he healed him. And he has a powerful ministry to sexually broken people. Well, what do you see when you look at lost people? Do you look at them in an adversarial way or do you look at them the way that Jesus looked at them? Other Christians look at those who are lost uh, as not even being lost. They kind of go the opposite direction and they focus more on the feelings of the lost people and they don't want to offend them. They want to do everything they possibly can not to offend them. In fact, they don't even want to call them lost, do they? 
they would rather come up with some other word that is more politically correct because lost is not really very politically correct. So we might come up with phrases like, you know, pre-Christians, you know, which is kind of a nice phrase. And it's probably not a wrong phrase. It's it's not there's not anything that you could find wrong about that. They are pre-Christians. But sometimes we do that because we don't want to deal with reality that these people really are lost and they really need the love of Jesus. And they think that that uh, that loving them means that they just kind of accept them the way they are. Well, that, that would be like a kid coming up to me on the streets of Provincetown who is also lost and say to me that, you know, it's OK to be lost. You can just join up with us. We've got a bunch of lost kids here. Uh, and, you know, we're kind of a street gang and we pick pockets and things like that. And you can just join us. In fact, I think there was probably a book written about that, wasn't there? I, I think it was called Oliver Twist or something like that. But uh, that, that's not love. And the result is that they unwittingly condemn worn out, broken down, directionally challenged people to an eternity in hell because they don't want to tell them that there is a problem. They don't want to tell them there is such a thing as lostness. And they do this, they think, because they love them. But that's not the reason. They do it because they love themselves and they want those people to accept them. And that was me. I've been there, too. I want everybody to love me. I want people to accept me. And so, therefore, I don't want to offend anybody by implying in any way that they might be lost or that they might need Jesus. But that's not love for them. That's love for me. Jesus focused on the truth. And he always spoke the truth. He was not afraid to say uncomfortable things. He was not afraid to say to the woman at the well, go get your husband, knowing very well that the guy that she was living with was not her husband and that she had been married five times at five failed marriages. He was not afraid to say that to her. He was not afraid to say to that rich young ruler, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor, knowing very well that that rich young ruler was not going to be able to do that. He also uh, said to that woman who was caught in the act of adultery, go and sin no more, knowing very well that that he was asking her to do the impossible. But he would do it because he knew that they needed to hear the truth, that they needed to hear law, if you will, before they could hear the message of grace. He also gave words of life, didn't he? To the paralytic, he said, your sins are forgiven. To that woman who touched the hem of his garment and was healed of that hemorrhage of blood, he said to her, your faith has healed you. And to all of us, he says, whoever comes to me, I will no no wise cast that person out. So Jesus wants us to see people as he does. As, as worn out, broken down, directionally challenged people who can't find their way back to God. You see, we're not called to, to love the worldly system, but we are called to love the world. The Apostle John records for us two what are seemingly contradictory statements uh, presuming also that they both come from the mouth of Jesus, that Jesus was the, actually the one who John heard this from. The one is in 1 John 2.15. It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so on the one hand, he says, Don't love the world, because if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. But at the same time, over in John 3, 16, he gives those familiar words, God so loved the world, talking about the father that he sent his only begotten son. So which is it, John? You're telling me that we're not supposed to love the world, but then you're telling us that God, the father, loved the world. So what is it you're saying to us? And John, well, he explains that he's talking in the first one about the worldly system. 
because in the first or the next verse in first John two sixteen, he talks about the what the world is that he's talking about in that context is the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and the pride in possessions. It's the worldly system. But when it comes to worldly people, we are to love those people. Well, how do we get there? Well, I don't know if you're a lot like me, but if you're much like me, I am basically by nature a very selfish person. I don't really love anybody but me. That's I really only care about me. It takes a work of God. It takes a work of the Holy Spirit to change me enough so that I begin to care about lost people, you know, let alone anyone else, even my wife, for that matter. Not that she's lost. No, she's not. But but what does it take? It takes remembering that I am a recipient of God's grace and favor. You know, Paul never forgot where he came from, right? To Timothy, he wrote, I am the worst of sinners. Now, we're told that he was referring there to the fact that he once persecuted the church, but he never forgot that. He never forgot where he came from. And we should never forget where we have come from, that had it not been for the grace of Christ, had it not been for the love of God, that we ourselves would be eternally condemned and lost forever and ever. So we can't ever forget where we've come from. Never forget it. And then Paul also realized that he only was what he was as a minister of the gospel by the grace of God. The same grace that saved him was the same grace that enabled him to be what he was. In 1 Corinthians fifteen ten, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than all of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So Paul remembered that he was saved by grace, and he remembered also that his ministry was by grace. And then secondly, it takes being baptized and continually filled with the Holy Spirit, one of whose traits happens to be Love for lost people. Richard Foster wrote a book on prayer, a simple book, about a number of books, but one book was just called Prayer. And he kind of goes through and he, he talks about all different kinds of prayer. One of the kinds of prayer he talked about was breath prayer. Uh, he, that's what he called it. Uh, it's an ancient form of prayer. It goes back to the Desert Fathers. Uh, probably the, the oldest form of breath prayer or the oldest breath prayer was the Kyrie. Uh, when the monks would say uh, with their breath as they were inhaling, they were saying, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And as they exhaled, uh, uh, what that means? Uh, a sinner through, uh, I forget the second part of it. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, what he said in there, uh, in that little book, is that you could turn anything into a breath prayer, which becomes sort of a, a foundation uh, under your life and all of your, your doings that you're going around, even when you're talking with people and conversing with people, you can be having this, this breath prayer going on in your heart because it's a silent prayer all the time. But anyway, what he said is that one of the prayers that he would turn into a breath prayer for him was, Lord, baptize me with your love. Baptize me with your love. Lord, baptize me with your love the point where that was constantly going on in his heart as an underlying prayer through all of his daily activities and all of his conversations. That's a pretty good prayer. Lord, baptize me with your love. And what does it look like when you have that love that Christ has for lost people? Well, you can just begin to enjoy people people that God brings into your life, whether it's a guy at the gas station where you're paying your money or it's your next door neighbor or it's somebody that you meet uh, at the bank, that you're just enjoying those people. You're just letting the love of Christ flow through you. And I close with just one little story that's recent. And, and that was that <clears throat> we 
as you know, we recently moved here. And uh, the movers, the Mayflower guys, uh, they got done packing up our house out in Portland, Oregon. And they were all done, and the guy who was the head guy in charge, it was his truck and everything, uh, is in the kitchen. We're filling out all the stuff, uh, checking everything off and everything. And, and I just said to him, could we pray for you before you leave? And he just said, sure. And so we just got together and we prayed that God would be with him, that God would bless him, that God would watch over him. I wasn't really even thinking about our stuff in the truck, you know, that didn't get an accident. I was just thinking about him and just praying this love of God into him. And when we were done, he was visibly moved, visibly moved. In fact, he gave us both a big hug. Now, big, burly truck drivers are not known for going around and giving people big hugs. But he did because he was moved by the love of Christ. God can do that through you, wherever you are. If you just have that mind of Christ towards lost people, if you would love them the way that he does. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, uh, for love, for the love of Christ, the love that you have for people. And I thank you, Jesus, that you loved us while we were yet sinners. Lord, that you loved us when we were lost, when we were worn out and broken down and directionally challenged and couldn't find our way back to God, that you loved us and drew us to yourself. Lord, we know the same thing is true when it comes to Aaron. Lord, that you love that little guy and that he is precious to you, that Jesus died for Aaron, even as he died for Ben and Sarah and all of us here, that he died and gave his life for Aaron, that Aaron might know that love of Christ. And so uh, we just pray now that you would guide us as we come uh, to the waters of baptism. So Jesus, direct this time, we pray. Amen. Invite uh, Ben and Sarah and Aaron and grandparents, me. Come on up here at this time. Grandparents, great-grandparents, anybody, <laughs> you're all welcome. Brothers, sisters, uh, in-laws. Is it still too warm? Maybe a little bit of cold water. Just a little bit of cold water. We don't want to shock him. You know, back in the, in the Didache, it says that you're supposed to use cold water. <laughs> the Didache was an early church document, but anyway. Um, earliest after the Bible. Yes, the earliest after the Bible. So come on up and so you can the children, see. If the children would like to come closer, if you would like to just see this, you're more than welcome to come closer. The children. Of whatever age. Of whatever age. Yeah. Yes. We're going to wait for the water. But as we're waiting for the water, uh, you know, one of the, the things that the, the scriptures say to us, I think as Paul writes this in Colossians, that when we came into the world, that we were born into the kingdom of darkness. And it takes a transfer to be taken from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. And so one of the things that we want to do this morning uh, is to pray uh, for God to have power over all evil forces uh, that have been at work, uh, in, even in, in Aaron's life already. You know, unfortunately, he was born into the world in sin. Right? David said, in sin did my mother conceive me. So he was born into the world, you know, in the kingdom of darkness. He needs to be transferred from that kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Uh, and so we have this opportunity. I want to just pray right now. And we'll, we can, you can pray with me and, and uh, just be a part of this. Uh, and so I'm going to speak to you and to godparents, uh, mom and dad, everybody, really, that... Uh, that simply ask this question of you. Do you renounce the devil 
and all his works and all his ways. Yes. All right. And we're speaking not only, uh, not only for ourselves, but we're speaking that on behalf of little Aaron as well. That uh, we're renouncing the devil, all of his activity uh, in his life. And so in the name of Jesus, we just break. Uh, any bond of the enemy, uh, anything that he was born with, whether things that were uh, born as a part of his inheritance, his DNA, uh, whatever might have come because of uh, his uh, simply having this, this problem of sin uh, that we were all born with. Now, Lord, we know that uh, when, when we come into the world, we come into the world saying, me, 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 uh, Lord, and you want to change that so that we start saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And so we break anything that would keep that from happening uh, in little Aaron's life. In the name of Jesus, that name which is above every other name. Amen. And we just want to also remember that when we're baptizing little Aaron, we're not baptizing him to something that's just our little thing, uh, our, you know, our little religion. We're baptizing him into something that has been going on for 2,000 years. All right, this is a faith that was established 2,000 years ago. And uh, what we're going to do as a part of that is that we are going to confess the faith into which we are baptizing Aaron uh, by using the Apostles' Creed. I think, is it up on the screen? Can you get it up there? It should be in the uh, order of service. All right, I think, I think it may be up on the screen soon. Well, all right. You don't. Maybe some, do you, you want to wait or do you want to just kind of go let's with, go go, let's go, go with what we got. All right. I preached too long anyway, so let's confess that faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended into hell. And the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from whence he will come to judge the living and the dead. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And it's your responsibility as parents and godparents to make sure that as Aaron grows, that he hears this faith over and over again. That as Paul said, that he would just be raised in an environment of faith. That uh, we pray that he won't have to go through any rebellion and fall away and then have to come back later in his life. But that God would just continually keep him. Thank you, Jesus. And so is this going to be your prayer for this little guy? Amen. 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 Then may God be with you and enable you and help you to keep that, that promise to him. So now I'm going to let Ben actually do the baptizing. Dad. All right. Here you go, Aaron. Put in the water here. Oh, that's red, isn't it? All right. Okay. Okay. All right. Hold them up there for a second, honey, while I do this. Aaron Asher Fisher, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the renewal that you're doing, Lord, right now in his spirit. Father God, in his spirit, man, that he's being filled with the Holy Spirit right now, God. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that that uh, you will empower us to keep the promises that we've made to you today, Amen. Lord Jesus, to raise them in the faith, to know you, the one true God. Hallelujah. And live them out. We're going to sing a song written by John Wimber in the 70s, uh, the spirit song, Oh, Let the Lamb of God.
Fill your land. As your hearts are filled with joy. come to the center and those who are the godparents and the family okay okay they can they can do that do they know that we're going to pray for them uh, we would like to uh, uh, speak words to him and to the family so if there are prayers or prophetic words that God stirs in your heart now, let's just be, be thinking about the family, focusing on them, and especially on Aaron Asher. And if God gives you a word, it would be helpful if you could write it down. But uh, we'd also like you to give it. Feel free right where you are to speak. We're going to uh, just take a few minutes. They're not here. I'm going to pray for uh, 
Bob and Linda. They uh, can we pray that what you're going to do? Pray for that. Do you want to uh, share what you're you're going to do now? You know, in the body of Christ, we all believe in healing, and we all pray for healing. Um, when healing appears not to come, and when a person nears death, we often give up that belief, and we often say that God intended not to heal her or whatever. Um, a very good friend of ours has decided that she is going to be healed regardless of this cancer that's been ran ravaging her body and she's laying in a hospice right now and last night we prayed with her actually she wasn't aware but we prayed with her because she wants us to go back when she dies and pray to raise her from the dead and I just ask your belief be translated beyond belief into an expectant hope that indeed she will be healed this is directly from God this is not something that only Jesus did. He said, greater things than these will you do, every one of us. So we pray right now for Julie. In Jesus' name, we command the, the spirit of premature death to release her, to release her. We pray life into her body. We pray against everything that has ravaged her body up to this point. We pray that she would we once again be um, uh, fully aware, fully aware of God's life coursing through her body, that she would um, reverse the every, every single f word curse spoken over her by doctors and um, by well-meaning people throughout this time, and that she would come to the fullness, the fullness of the promise that Jesus has already healed her, has carried her sickness and disease. In Jesus' name. And we bless Bob and Linda. We bless them that they may go in the authority of Jesus Christ. We know when Jesus sent out the disciples, he said, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So this is not strange. It's something that we haven't experienced before, most of us. But it's not strange because the Word of God teaches it. And so we, we send our faith along with you. Any any words that you're seeing uh, for Aaron Asher? Anything as you prayed? Any pictures that God has given you, Ben? Um, I just wanted to just say that this might help to know a little bit of context here. Um, is that my my mother? Where is she? she? She's upstairs too right now, isn't she? Okay. My mother had had a dream in which she was standing before the Lord, and in the dream, as she was standing before the Lord. She said that she was there and she was praying and she turned and she saw this baby that was handed to her and she didn't know whether the baby belonged to would belong to Sarah and I, um, Sarah and me, or whether it would belong to um, my sister who's been married now and already has three children. But she looked down at the baby and she said, who is this Lord? And the Lord spoke back to her and said, this is Aaron. And for, for those of you that don't know, there's there's like this there's a prophetic, um, like almost like a Levitical call that's on my bloodline, and so that was very significant for her that that the blessing of that was going to be passed to this child. And then she woke up, and when she woke up, um, she's right here right now. Um, I might let her tell this last part of the story. Do you want to do that, Mom? Just to give context so that people kind of. Yeah. So I woke up. I got out of bed after I had this intense prayer dream. And I went to the window and I said, come forth, come forth, come forth. And I had no idea who was praying. Us. But uh, that's what the Lord gave me. Oh. And uh, um, the unfolding of that was later. <laughs> yeah. So then, so then speeding up now. To, so we're in the delivery room and Sarah has been going through labor. And she, she went through 18 hours of labor and uh, it, was, it was pretty hard labor too. And um, as she as she did so, it got to the point where the doctor was not sure why she wasn't um, open enough to have the child. There there wasn't any reason that was um, medically observable, so they had no idea why Sarah wasn't wasn't getting to the point where she could fully open and then 
and then the child could be delivered. And so he said, at this point, conventional wisdom would dictate that we think about the possibility of a cesarean. And then in that moment, oh, this is what the intercession was about. Come forth, come forth, come forth. So I, I had called up Paul and um, let him know what was going on. Communitas was happening here that night. And they were about, were you getting the prayer meeting? Is that the time that it was? I think it was about 6.30 or so in the evening. And so I just called up and let him know what was going on. We, we need some prayer here. And um, so he began going into the prayer. And then, Karen, maybe you want to tell the last part of the story. Um, so could you come up and then just tell the last part? And then if that gives you guys maybe some sort of, as I'm speaking, maybe you're getting something from the Lord. Well, the Lord put it on my heart, too, to just intercede and pray. And <clears throat> I didn't know why. And, uh, of course, later I, I knew, but I just felt it in my soul, my heart, and I just was on my knees. And uh, so when we heard the baby was born, we just all rejoiced. You can imagine we just went running all over. <laughs> Communitas, he's born, he's born, he's born. <laughs> and so we're really rejoicing with you, Aaron, today and and with your mom and dad and grandparents and all the relatives. And so we thank you, Lord, for your intercession. Lord. We thank you, Lord, for health. Thank you, Lord, for life and joy, your goodness, your mercy, your love today. Amen. So the family and, and uh, sponsors, if you gather around Aaron Asher now, get, get hopefully where you can touch him. And if there are any words or prayers that you want to speak, or if there are words that any of you have, you're welcome to share it where you are or um, come closer. The word that I had, uh, and I wanted to add to the end of what I was saying, was this is great warfare that was going on. And there is warfare when, when the Lord is bringing forth life. We know that. And, uh, Father, I pray that this uh, child... Aaron will continue to praise your name as we, we talked about your word that says out of the mouths of babes will, will come forth perfect praise. Uh, so, Lord, a new song for him that he would be singing the spirit at an early, early age, Lord, that he'd be filled with your Holy Spirit. And as he hears his parents singing together, Lord, that they would just uh, be singing together as a family, Lord, that this would be a strengthening that we know that this is war, uh, warfare, and as we sing back to you, Lord, and we hear you singing and dancing over us, over Aaron, over their family, uh, that this is a victory. Thank Amen. you, Father. Aaron Asher, you have been anointed to be a tidebreaker. When you enter the room, the atmosphere will change. Your feet have been firmly planted on a rock, and you will stand for truth wherever you go. Jesus is our great high priest on the cross. You prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And we thank you for your intercession. We pray the gift of intercession on Aaron, God, that he would have a heart for your people, even as his grandpa preached today, to have a heart for the lost, have a heart to pray. God, and so we ask for that anointing of intercession, God, that you would give to him, that grace that you would give him to intercede and to bring the sacrifice. And we know, Jesus, you are the lamb and you are the sacrifice. Your blood came to pay for all sin. We thank you for the gift of forgiveness that comes at the cross. Lord, we do thank you for Aaron's beautiful life. I pray for him. I pray for Ben as his father. I pray for my little girl, Sarah, as his mother, that you will bless them in mighty ways, that you will strengthen them and strengthen Aaron in for what is to come, that you will provide and watch over, and that you will give them mighty blessings through their whole life.
Oh, Lord Jesus, you said that through the praises of babes and infants that you would silence the foe and the avenger. Oh, Lord Jesus, um, I'm not exactly sure uh, whether I'm theologically correct in thinking that maybe the little uh, nonsensical uh, words that come out of a baby are tongues, but, Lord, sure, it sure seems like it could be, Lord, that you could use even these little nonsensical words that are coming out of his mouth and will come out more. Lord, the silence, the foe, and the avenger. And that, Lord, that he would be mightily used by you. That you would visit him very early in his life, just like you visited Samuel. Lord, that you would visit him very early in life and call him by name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the joy of having Aaron in my womb. (laughs) And God, that you promised that he'll be a child of peace. And uh, just early on when I knew I was pregnant that I'd pray, I prayed for that, that he'd be a person of peace, a child of peace. And, and Lord, you've said, blessed are the peacemakers for they'll be children of God. So Lord, we do claim that over his life, that he'll be a peacemaker, that he would be able to resolve conflicts and just have a gift in that. We thank you for his life. Yeah, and I just want to prophesy that my son is going to have learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, understanding in all dreams and visions, just like Daniel. Lord, I know that you've called him to be one that bears your word and that rises up and proclaims it. I pray, Jesus, you would give him that even at an early age, God, as my father has prayed. Thank you, Lord. We sing a song to you, O Lord, a new song to you, Lord. A blessing, blessing, blessing and honor be to you. We love you, love you, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, pour your love and mercy, Lord. We thank you, thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, you who touched children and you touch him now, we would pray as you taught us to pray. Our Father, art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. I invite you all to stand. I'll speak the benediction. This is for Aaron Asher, and it's for you, for all who call on the name of the Lord. And the Lord is, this is not just a convenient way to close a service. It's an imposition of God's very nature and grace to you. He's, he's translating his peace to you now and to the family. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you, look on you, and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance, his very face, his very presence upon you and give you his peace and give to Aaron his peace. Let, let you carry, that you carry the very peace of God in your life, in your very body, that you be a a peacemaker and a conflict resolver in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
You're welcome to tarry. Stay as long as you can, as long as you want. And uh, 